We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. My name is Bethany Lee, and this is episode 14. Today's guest is another legend. This is a super groom. He is known as one of the top show grooms in the world, grooming for one of the top dressage riders and arguably one of the most famous horses in the world. So let's go find out all the tricks of the trade. Our guest today is Alan Davies. Hi, Alan. Hi, how are you? Doing well, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. I'm so happy you're on the podcast today. Great. Awesome. So let's get right to it. Uh, You are known around the world as a super groom. You have groomed for some of the top riders, uh, some of the top horses. And I'd love to hear kind of how you got to that point uh, to where you are today. Okay. Well, um, it all started, I, I didn't like school, so I left school at 17 I was working with hunters English fox hunters um, and then some friends of mine were traveling with show jumpers and I um, thought well, what a great idea I get to take care of horses which I love to do and travel and get paid for it so um, I started working with show jumpers and um, I was very lucky to get travel a lot I ended up um, working in America for four years. I did four Florida um, winters. I worked for an Australian girl, Susan Bond. We had horses in England and America, so I started flying horses backwards and forwards. Um, that's a very long time ago now. Um, and um, I was very lucky to um, work with some of the top trainers, um, farriers and vets in America. Um, we kept our horses with Anne Kaczynski, George Morris, Michael Matz, the Vintage Farm. Um, and um, I learned an awful lot um, when I was out there. Little did I know at that time um, that was going to hold me in good stead for later in my life, looking after the most famous dressage horse in the world. Yeah, totally. That's amazing. I mean, you, you, I mean, you really, he really is uh, known around the world. And, and that must be such a special, uh, relationship you have because I mean, you really, uh, do seem to probably spend the most time with Villegra, especially when he was showing, um, than anyone else. So what was that, what was that relationship kind of like while he was, while he was in work full time? We worked out that I traveled 75,000 kilometers together with him, um, which is like one and a half times around the world. And wow. you know, when you when you spend that much time with a horse, you develop a relationship, a trust, and a bond. Um, you know, um, wherever he went, I was, and he had to trust me to put him on trucks and planes and trains and all sorts of different modes of transport and to have that trust between you is just an incredible bond and we've 
have had an incredible time together. He's the most kind, loving horse, and and the the fact that he's um, trusted me to do that has just been amazing. And we've seen a lot together, and we've been through through a lot together emotionally. <laughs> and um, I bet. it's been an incredible journey. He's a he's a lovely character. You know, I'm I'm with him um, still now. He's retired. He's the first horse I go to and feed in the morning, and I still muck him out and ride him. And um, he's still cared for, and you know he's clipped out, and I keep him fit and happy and well. And yeah, he's just the most incredible character, and I've been very lucky to to do that with him. Yeah, what's it? What's it like to ride him? Um, he's fantastic. He loves to work he loves to go out and do things he loves to see the sights you know he's um i hack him around the farm now a lot more now he's retired um he loves to go out and see the sights and chat to the cows in the field and things like that and he's he's powerful yet gentle you never feel unsafe on him and he's always forward going and happy and jolly as he is always pricked and he's such a a happy character. He's a he's a joy to be around. He really is. Wow. Um, how did you get connected with Charlotte? And when you started working uh, for her, was she? How far into her career was she with Vallegro? Um, I've known Carl um, a long time. I um, I was working for Emil Farry in um, year two thousand, and I was in charge of flying the British horses out for the Olympics in Sydney in two thousand. Um, and he asked me to come and work for him back in 2010. Um, he had two very special horses, Utopia and Vallegra. They were starting out their international career, and he wanted someone experienced that um, he could um, trust to take care of them. And so I took him down to the south of France for his first um, international Grand Prix. It was Charlotte's first international Grand Prix and Vallegra's first international grand prix and um i was supposed to stay for just a couple of shows um <laughs> and um, but they didn't let me leave I oh. <laughs> wow what a cool what a cool relationship i mean when you are like when he was in uh fully uh fully ready to go ready to show um on the circuit what would a normal uh, show day look like for you and him? So um, when he was in full work, um, normally Carl and Charlotte work the horses in the arena just four days a week, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays, and then Wednesdays and Saturdays we do fitness work with them. Um, but if they were working him, then I would feed him at six, um, uh, let him have time to eat quietly, and I'd muck him out and take his wraps off. Um, and then I'd take him up and I'd take him for a leg stretch and a stroll around the roads or through the fields or something. And then Charlotte would work him in the arena. And then after about 45 minutes, I'd get back on him and take him for a cool down. And then I'd wash him off and um, ice his legs and whatever else he needed doing. And then he'd get some quiet time. He'd either go in the paddock or um, I'd hand walk him in the afternoons or take him to the aquafit we have a water treadmill near here so i do some extra fitness work with him in the aquafit um it's great for fitting and without any stress on the lower limbs um 
Um, so that was uh, that was sort of a normal working day, really. Okay. Um, what kind of what kind of uh, products do you um, really rely on when you are uh, grooming a horse or taking care of a horse? Um, we're um, very lucky we're sponsored by um, NetEx for products. So um, uh, I tend not to shampoo them too much, but the, the NetEx have a, a, a shampoo, a mild shampoo that you can use um, without stripping out the coat. Um, and then I have a range of brushes, my own brushes from the exclusive. Um, and so I like to curry comb them and then um, brush them over, the, uh, you know, groom them twice a day, keep the coat good, the muscles worked and um, keep them softened and um, relaxed. Um, and then we're, we're lucky to be sponsored by Keep, so um, the tax is very important. Um, he's had a, um, had a Keep saddle now for all his career, um, which is reg regularly checked and fitted. If they change shape, they muscle up differently, different times of the year. So um, we keep that in order. Um, so I try and keep it fairly basic, really. Um, I don't like to use too many products on I like to keep the, the skin and the coat um, keep the oils natural um, I don't like to dry them out with too many products yeah that's that's really cool um, what is the um, the saddle fitting process like I mean it must have I mean it must be such an important part and does Charlotte have a whole bunch of saddles that are a different uh, each horse gets their own saddle how does that work yeah um each horse has his own saddle and they get fitted individually um and each one will have the, the saddle come out regularly just to make sure they've, they've changed muscle shape at all okay um so what type of what uh type of a keep saddle does did Belegro go in um, he has the Emporio, which okay. he's had for uh, many years now. Okay. And um, are you a fan of the Akeep saddles? I mean, what, what kind of sets them apart? Yeah, for sure. They're, um, they're lightweight. They're not too heavy. So they're, um, and they, they fit um, sort of close contact. Um, and they're a good shape for the rider. They put the rider in the right position so that... Um, they don't hamper the movement of the horse. Okay. And then with that saddle, uh, what, what kind of padding do you like to add to it? What, what saddle pads are involved? Um, they have um, a, a cotton um, numna, and, and then um, Bolego has a, a gel pad on top of that between the pad and the numna. Okay. Um, and which the saddle just sits on. Got it. Cool. Um, so what does a what does a normal show schedule look like to you? Are you are you there? Let, let's say it's an, an international show where flights involved. What's the schedule kind of look like leading up to the show days? Um, it it, it kind of depends on how how far the and how long the flight is and how um, so how far ahead um, of the competition we go. If it's a 
Um, if it's a long flight, say if, uh, when we flew to Vegas or when we flew out to Rio, um, I have to travel from here out to Europe. So that's a day's traveling to get to the airport and then they have um, the flight. And then generally, if we go into America, then we have to do 48 hours quarantine. Well, the horses are only allowed to hand walk, so, and they get blood tested and tick sprayed. Um, so that's quite testing for fit horses to cope with. Um, um, and that's why we kept them very fit um, to cope with that amount of traveling. Sure. And then generally, it'd be, um, we'd be there four or five days before the competition started. So... Um, I'd hand walk him during quarantine, and he'd come out of quarantine, he'd have light work. How are your horses on uh, for flights? How do they handle that? Amazingly well. Um, wow. um, yeah, I mean, Belegre did a, a lot of traveling, um, and he's quite a greedy horse, so as long as he's got <laughs> um, food and water, he's usually quite happy. He'll go anywhere, so, so I've been very lucky with him, and then Last year, I flew two horse, two young horses out to try on for the World Games, which um, Charlotte rode a mare called Freestyle and Carl rode a horse called Delicato. And they were both nine and ten years old, and they'd never flown before. And they, wow. they coped amazingly amazingly well. I was thrilled with them. I wasn't sure how they'd cope. is um, quite a nervous horse, but um, he got in the crate and ate and did everything he should so i was thrilled so is there is there amazing. anything you can yeah is there anything you can do to prep a horse for that or you just kind of hope for the best and yeah there is nothing you can do to prep them for flying you just got to um hope they cope um right. and just um get on with them I and mean, luckily they've they've usually traveled a lot abroad you know we have to um, travel quite far to get to the European shows. You know, it takes me four hours to get to Dover, then I have to get the train or the ferry over, and then it'll be another five or six hours on the other side. So they, they get used to traveling mm-hmm. um, when they get onto the international circuit anyway. And then um, you just have to hope they're going to cope with um, the flies. And uh, I mean, generally on the whole, if you have them fit and they, they know you, they, they've got me with them. So um that's the one sort of normal thing um for them is to have me there feeding them so hopefully we can um gain their trust and um and yeah and they cope with it wow so when they are when when you're in flight on your way to a show you're down there with them or are you up in the cabin like how is that all situated um these days we have to be seated for mm-hmm. takeoff and landing, but the rest of the time we're there with them. Um, okay. I'm I'm there at the airport. I load them into the crates, and then I go with them on the crate up on the hydraulics into the into the plane, and then make sure they're settled, make sure they have the hay and their water, and then um, and then we have to be seated with our seatbelts on, and then um, and then as soon as the plane's taken off and then we go back with the horses and I mean it's generally try to not fuss too much with them but just be there to make sure they're okay if there's a long flight I'll give them a, a feed give them a mash to make sure they're getting um, fluids and try and keep their food intake to as normal regime as possible sure um, and then 
yeah, I just sort of, uh, it depends on the length of the flight, really. Okay. What's the longest flight you've done? Um, when we flew out to Vegas for the World Cup finals, that was 11 and a half hours. Wow. That's, that's quite a long time to, um, to be in a crate, but, um, Allegro coped fine. He was, uh, he was loving it. He was uh, loving the attention. <laughs> oh, he was yeah. loving all the feed. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Alan has nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. Um, what has been, if you had to pick, what has been one of your favorite horse show memories? Oh, God. That's such a difficult question. I get asked this quite a lot, and <laughs> it's it's such a difficult one you know um one of the one of the biggest memories was the first time he started breaking records and we took him to um Hagen, a big show in germany um it was one of the last shows before um london olympics and he went and smashed the record in the Grand Prix special, just totally unexpected, you know, British rider um, going to a German show, and um, he just excelled our, um, all our hopes, and he was just phenomenal. And you know, the press went crazy; everyone was mm -hmm. just going crazy about the whole thing. Um, and um, uh, that was. A very memorable moment um and then i think the first time we won the world cup in leon in 2014 he debuted his new music the uh, how to train your dragon curves, oh, yeah and they'd only just ridden through it once at home um and we had to go to the world cup finals and he was he didn't put a foot wrong the whole time and he went through the music he was spot on every footstep was to the wow. music it was it was the most amazing test ever wow and then and, and then of course there was his retirement at olympia a couple of years ago it was um i mean just the most incredible three days we had him up in london um the, the press was phenomenal there was he was I was pulling him out of his stable every hour or so for interviews and photographs. And then I was asked to lead him in on my own up the center line on the last day. Um, and we stood outside in the collection ring on our own and everyone had gone into the main arena and then they opened the curtains. The noise wow. was unbelievable. I've never heard anything like it. I was in floods of tears. <laughs> oh, I cannot imagine. I was just going to ask, what what was that? What were those three days like for you? I mean, it must have been bittersweet, right? I mean, because you you know, I'm sure you knew more than just about anyone, um, you know, kind of like when his time was to start kind of tapering down. But wow, I mean, what were what were your emotions like? It was um quite a roller coaster i mean everyone was so supportive of the fact that we were retiring at the top but i mean the whole world adore him he's, he's such a character and everyone's you know grown to love him and he's sort of um you know he's a huge celebrity in his own right um so it was it was very emotional the, the thought that i wasn't going to be taking him to shows anymore was um very emotional. It was fantastic that he was going out at the top, 
help. Um, and then the fact that they'd asked me to lead him in on my own, just him and me, yeah. was just, um, yeah, it was just indescribable, really. The, the, you know, when they opened the curtains and I had to walk in, the, the noise and the emotion was just like nothing I've ever felt before in my entire life. It was just incredible. Wow. Do you, do you think, I mean, you have to wonder if he had like any idea what was going on. I'm sure he was just like eating up all of the attention. He absolutely loved it. He was incredible the whole three days. I mean, he just loved every second of it completely and utterly. Um, and I led him into the arena and he had his nose in the camera. He was looking around. He was just, they were trying to interview me. I was trying to stop the tears. And yeah. Um, it was, he was, he's, he was, just, he stood like a rock in the middle of the arena when the, the eyes of the world on him and didn't turn the hair. It was just yeah. incredible. Wow. Oh, that's so amazing. Um, so what has, has there been any, I mean, I'm sure there has been, what has been something that sticks out in your mind with your position as a show groom where you've really had to think on your feet like not not necessarily something going terribly wrong but uh, some uh, maybe a crisis that you had to uh really uh yeah think on your feet and, and try to fix um uh, i mean i was bringing i was bringing him back from we'd been to austria to a show um and they couldn't stop the truck because it was just too hot to stop. So I just had to keep driving into like a fine stables to stop at to get get him and the other horses off in this massive heat wave. Wow. And then just had to hose them all down, keep them cool. And then I had to, I gave them a rest and then I had to make the decision to carry on driving through the night because it was cooler. Um, um, so that was, that was quite... Um, uh, quite an incident, really. It was, was sort of, you know, not expected, and I had to think on my feet, and I had to um, call all my connections and find somewhere to get to to um, get them off and make sure they're okay. And, and luckily, they were they were fine. I got some good stables, and um, I got the call, and it was all fine. So, and then I just. Um, did the rest of the trip at, at night so wow and that was that was probably one of the major incidents in the last few years yeah yeah um for people who are maybe looking into having a career or um going into a, a position as a groom or a show groom uh what is some advice you have and and what's something that you uh uh, some things that you have learned that you never thought you would um, by having the position that you do? Um, you just, you need to um, get a position under, you know, a very experienced groom um, and you need to be open-minded and you never stop asking questions and learning. I mean, I'm, I'm still learning now. I'm always picking the brains of the vets and the farriers, you know, things are changing the whole time the way of taking care of their fitness and their legs um, 
and you have to be on top of you know um all the drug rules now as well and things like that um, you can give them what you can't give things like that um, sure. so just being you know you've got to be open-minded the keyboard has got to be utmost um in your mind the whole time and um and just yeah never never stop running if you can get to a good barn with a, a good head person and just as learn as much as you can from those people i mean i've been fortunate you know to work with like karen golding who was bar manager to mikey Matz, and um i mean she taught me a massive amount about the importance of bandaging properly and um mm-hmm. you know the care of the legs how important that is for jumpers and dressage horses and um and like you know we have um we have a fantastic physio who comes here and she's taught me a lot of about um how i can work on the horses when she can't be there for events um and she um shows me all the different um exercises and stretches i can do with the horse to keep them in tip-top condition or if they're getting sore anywhere i can work with them she can't get to an event or a competition so yeah i mean if you know that that's the biggest advice i can do just wanting to learn and just keep learning yeah i mean yeah that's those are valuable pieces to have and you don't see it too often where there's uh, someone in the barn taking care of the horses that knows a good a good chunk of information about every aspect of the horse's body and their well-being. So that's that's an incredible um, amount of knowledge to know. Uh, what, what's your relationship like with Charlotte and Carl? Um, it's it's great. We we all have mutual respect for each other's jobs, um, and um, and it works really well. They they know that. Um, I'm there. My utmost importance in my life is the care of the horses, and they greatly respect that. Right. Um, and I respect their training and and their riding. Um, so we we all work together um, really well. I mean, we all have to have a serious sense of humour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do it without a sense of humour. They're both oh, got yeah. a wicked sense of humour. So. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, no, it, it works really well. We're a great team. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it definitely shows. Um, well, Alan, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the podcast today. I, I learned so much, and I know everyone listening will. Um, so uh, thank you again, and I wish you all the best during this show season. Thank you. No problem. And it was lovely to talk to you, and um, hopefully, we can talk again. Yeah, that sounds great. I am so excited to tell you about our sponsor for this episode because it is the only saddle that is trusted by our guest today, Ellen Davies, and his iconic athlete team, Charlotte Girardine and Vallegro. And that brand is Akeep. Akeep offers saddles, bridles, and other leather works. They offer a custom saddle fit experience that is trusted by top, top athletes. So go ahead and schedule your saddle fitting by visiting their website. It's akeepusa.com. That's E-Q-U-I-P-E-U-S-A.com. Or give them a call at 949 945 3055. What did you think of today's episode? 
Head over to anywhere where you listen to the Equestrian Podcast and please rate and review and tell me what you thought. I would love to hear your thoughts because I'm curious and it helps people like you find the Equestrian Podcast. It also allows us to find some amazing guests for you to listen to. So, win-win for everyone. Well, that is about all the time we have for today, but make sure you're following us over on Instagram at Equestrian Podcast so that you stay up to date on any news for the podcast. So until next time, I'm Bethany Lee. This is the Equestrian Podcast. Now get out there and enjoy the ride.